0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Pop Anime Comics Lounge where I have with me the new classic Billy Dixon who has been wrestling for a bit over five years as of now and has done some amazing things in that time. So welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? I am fantastic and I am super stoked for so many reasons and I'm going to drop a spoiler right now that you are one half of the creative team behind Butch First Gore on March 7th at Primetime Pro Wrestling and we're going to get into that in a little bit but... Before we get into that, I do want to table it for a few minutes at least, and I want to talk about you. And I think the perfect place to start is how were you first introduced to wrestling?
1: So I was first introduced to wrestling with my grandparents. I grew up in the South Bronx in New York City at the Claremont Project, the Morrisania section of the Bronx, and I lived with my grandparents. My mom was sick off and on when I was young, so we stayed with them. And I just remember watching Raw and SmackDown and all of the colorful characters and the silliness of it really catching my eye, and China in particular was one of my early favorites
0: and so what was that like really watching it and experiencing raw and all of that and what did it do to open up your world per se
1: it just was a lot of bigger things that i would realize as i was an adult but china for me as a kid was the only character on wwe television that i really could relate to because china was an outsider she was weird she was masculine and feminine and intriguing and i felt like seen for the first time It felt like i saw my self on something and wrestling is just the best of all world. It's dramatic, it's athletic, it's sports, it's theater, it's a lot of things I really enjoy coming together.
0: And I do want to talk a little bit about China there because at the time that she was in WWE or WWF at the time, they weren't really a diverse product. And she was kind of an element of diversity. So what was that like? Because at that time that company isn't what it is today and it still has a lot of progress to go. So what was that like really seeing that and you being you and being in your situation? And how did that really influence you going forward outside of wrestling just in life every day?
1: The China character was more progressive than they really meant for it to be. It was a lot of things done by accident. One thing that we have to do is really put over Jeff Jarrett who really put her over and really helped tell a really great story. Because Jeff Jarrett's one of the most underappreciated, misunderstood workers of all time. He really did a great job putting her over. And for me, it was just feeling seen and feeling like that was something I could relate to. And that really lit the spark. There were guys like Jeff Hardy and things like that who were kind of being androgynous in wrestling. Authentically so, I guess you could say. It was just cool. It was more inviting for me as a kid. And it stuck with me because I'm doing it now.
0: And let's talk about that, because at what point did it click in your head that you could become a professional wrestler? And what was the inspiration for you to really go out and do that?
1: So I was in college. I was forced to go to college. I didn't want to be there because I didn't know what I really wanted to do. And I was in the middle of an exam, and I had saw Sasha Banks wrestle not too much earlier before then. And I was just like, you know, I think I could do this. I remember being very emotional after watching her wrestle and I quit college and I looked for wrestling schools and then I started training. Yeah. And
0: what was the reaction to your parents and your grandparents for you just kind of saying this isn't for me and I'm going to go do something that I'm assuming at the time would be looked at as a little bit crazy for the average person?
1: so unfortunately my grandparents are no longer with us
0: and nobody in my family was really supportive they all thought that it
1: was just me wasting my time and me not being a mature adult and me playing around instead of being a serious adult and going to school and getting a regular nine to five like you're supposed to so in that way there was at one point this intervention to get me to stop wrestling that I obviously didn't listen to but yeah my family wasn't supportive initially they didn't get it I don't think they wanted to get it they weren't that supportive they had turned around at some point but you know I I just think that for me, I just have a different way of looking at life than members of my family do.
0: And now while all that was going on, you did find a wrestling school to train at and that was Hampton Roads Championship Wrestling in Norwalk, Virginia.
1: Yeah, nobody should ever train there. No one should ever train there. It is run by an incredibly abusive person who has abused me and other people. It is not a good wrestling school. Being removed from it, you don't want to train there. You know, there's a lot of other schools in the area. You can go to PWA in Yorktown. I know that there's a school that's opening up in Richmond. And if you want to drive and you really want it, you can go to Firestar Pro in North Carolina. And there's also Crab. That's not a good school. Sorry to
0: cut you off. It needs to be said. Oh, please, because we were going to hopefully talk about that in which that obviously there are good wrestling schools and then there are nightmare wrestling schools. And so what was that entire experience like for you? I mean, I think you said it all and we don't have to go too far into it unless you want to, but when did you get out of that situation? Because it sounds horrific.
1: So yeah, within the first month or so of me training first two weeks, I believe I was abused and it was just not a good situation. It was kind of like a cult, like, mentality where you know the owner of the federation and the school just everybody would give money time energy effort and nothing was good enough and people were just always being berated and group text messages and all these things unfortunately the guy who ran the school was not finished training so he was teaching people a lot of the wrong things unsafe things and it just wasn't a good environment and I remember realizing that I met one of my best friends I met a lot of good friends that I have to this day but I remember when when I met my best friend, Falcon, he and I were talking and he was just like, man, we got to get out of here. And the one thing I knew was that because of the area, because of him being a soccer promoter, the stench of that company would be on me. So what I had to do was basically come up with a plan to up my profile there and then be able to use that to go other places. And once I was able to go to other places, then I never had to come back. And I accomplished things there. Whatever I was their heavyweight champion, I helped them gross their biggest gate ever in company history. And one of the biggest, big escapes in Captain Roads, Virginia history without the use of a WWE name or NXT or TNA AEW whatever the fuck and it came to a point where I was upping my profile and I knew that I didn't want to be around an abusive environment and I had to go you know, I told a couple of kids like hey I have a connect at this much better gym you can train at maybe we should start training there and I left and the one thing I will say about that place is that there is a trainer there his name is Kevin Weston he is incredibly well verse in MMA and grappling and submissions and he is a great trainer and I learned a lot working with him in particular. He was like a father figure to me but unfortunately he is an employee to the guy who owns Hampton Road Championship Wrestling, Will DeLoach. And, you know, he has to be loyal to his employer, I guess. So we no longer speak, but I will never publicly say a bad thing about him because he was an incredible trainer and he taught me a lot about things. Even though we weren't trained right and we were being taken advantage of as young kids with the dream who wanted just to wrestle, the one thing working in front of those crowds and working in that environment, you have to learn how to get over. And that's the one thing that I learned from there is how to get over. That's about it.
0: And speaking outside of that promotion, which we're not going to mention their name anymore because it doesn't sound like it's a healthy place. What was it like to go to other promotions and other training grounds and be treated with at least some dignity as a new wrestler and as a young wrestler? You got to put in your time. And I don't think we're disputing that. But what was it like to be treated with respect and dignity the right way? totally cool. Part of my upbringing in wrestling
1: was that from promoter would be like, everybody's going to drop you out and treat you like shit and fist you and take advantage of you. And I trained at places and it was fine. And I was treated with respect and given them decent criticism and like, here's how you do this. One of my best friends, Jared Evans, has trained me to become a better wrestler. And when you're in places where people just want to see you succeed, there's nothing like it. And wrestling schools should be healthy environments. I'm all about tough love and I'm all about tough criticism. Like when people ask me my opinion I do not hold back because it's not helpful to them. If you want to hear the truth, you're going to hear the truth. But when you are making people feel like they have to support you financially and they have to drop everything they're doing to help you and they have to be indentured servants, that's not helping. But it's great when somebody is giving the tools to succeed and that person doesn't have to question the motives of the person that is training them.
0: And also the other part of training that really isn't spoken about a lot of training happens on the road. So what is that like really learning by just being in the ring and traveling and speaking other wrestlers and wrestling other wrestlers because everybody has a different style
1: the best teacher is experience. Luckily in my career, I've wrestled a lot of diverse talents with different skill sets, different experience levels, and levels of exposure. I got to wrestle C.W. Anderson, and that was a great experience and he taught me a lot about the intricate footwork and things like that. I got to wrestle a couple of people that have gotten WWE tryouts and things like that and talk to me about what is expected on that much of a level and the things that you need to do that people that work for major companies are looking for. I got to work with wrestlers with no experience and figuring out a way to carry someone who has very little experience to be entertaining is also experience and also like when I talk to people I work with I always ask them what was your opinion what did you think and hear what they thought of the match and if we both feel good and fine I watch the tape and then I'm always on the road with my friends and I call it a house now because we travel together but we all watch each other's matches and we give different perspectives because when you're wrestling in front of a crowd of 100 people that's 100 different perspectives so why not get as many points of view And then you kind of see where are some of the common things that people are saying, and that helps you up your game. But there's nothing like wrestling regularly in front of crowds.
0: And talking about wrestling, because I kind of want to get into a bit of your career here. And one of the things about you that's unique is that you have wrestled in what I call safe havens. And I'm saying this a little bit nervously because I don't know if it's 100% appropriate, but there are very few promotions In the united states that are specifically safe havens for the lbgtq community and one of them is matter of pride and the other is capital wrestling so what was that like getting to wrestle in those places which really project unity and i think what culture threw it out where wrestling is a uniter not a divider
1: so unfortunately i no longer work for both companies for Reasons I'm not at liberty to discuss because it doesn't involve me. But within speaking, within my experience, when I was there, I was given the opportunity to do the best I could with what I was given. And the one thing that I didn't have to worry about was sexual orientation being a barrier. Because if a company is LGBT, you should expect that there aren't big issues there. Now, for me, I think one of the things in my career that has been a really interesting struggle is I think with this LGBT move movement is I kind of am a little bit of an outlier because the way I look physically, I think people think one way and then how I really am is diametrically opposed to how I look and I think that people have a hard time booking me and understanding the kind of character that I am because I'm kind of right smack dab in the middle of the whole masculine-feminine spectrum, and I am a super heavyweight, but I get over wrestling more so like a small guy in the baby face kind of thing, and it's been difficult to get over. And the one thing that is undeniable about the work I did at A Matter of Pride, there were a lot of challenges creatively there. A hundred and fifty percent. If I were to compare it, and this is not me don't smoke up my own ass, think Becky Lynch. I wasn't supposed to get that over there. I wasn't supposed to become one of the top players there. And fortunately for Becky, Becky got her big day, but that never happened for me there because I wasn't the kind of LGBT performer that was supposed to succeed there. And that's okay. Every promotion has a right to have their vision. But luckily, during my time there, I was giving opportunities that were given to me begrudgingly, but I knocked them out of the park and it really helped me get to the position that I am now.
0: And I do want to blow smoke up your ass because there's a few things I want to talk about. And there's a few people I want to talk about that I think you had amazing matches with. I think Eddie McQueen was one of them. I think Effie in your big gay street fight. We mentioned Jaron Evans is a good friend of yours. Those three I thought were really great matches. And you had a few matches with Eddie McQueen. So what was it like really getting to face those guys? Well, thank you, first of all, and those are three people that I think are incredibly talented and I think have a
1: great understanding for what they are in the business in different ways, there's different kinds of performers. Eddie McQueen was so much fun because we got to have like a Divas feud. It was catty, it was cat fights, makeup, and then a haircut, extreme makeover. And that was so much fun to tell a story where we just don't like each other and we're going to keep fighting until we humiliate each other in the worst way. And also with Eddie McQueen. I guess you could say his gimmick is close to like being a hairstylist cosmetology. He does that in his life outside of the ring. It was great to put him over in the she makeover match and for him to shave my head because to me it was just like these are the kind of matches that Eddie Queen should be having Jared Evans is one of my best friends in wrestling and I would say in the top 10 most underrated professional wrestlers on the East Coast. Great mind for the business, great mind for matches and psychology and understanding structuring of a match and everything he does in a match makes sense and has a purpose. And it was a pleasure and a great working experience to work with him. Because not only was I working with a friend, but I was working with somebody I had immense respect for. And in our match, I'm so proud of that one. He really pushed me to my limits and made me do things that I wouldn't have done and made me a better wrestler for have working with him than I was before we got into the ring together. And I really hope a lot of promotions after Butch versus Gore, March 7th for prime time, book Jared, because he's really, really, really good. And Effie fucking Effie. Like, I will always be tied to Effie. I guess on the indies right now, he would probably be the Britney to my Beyonce in some ways. And cool thing about working with him was that I wanted to tell this particular kind of story. And I wanted to talk about how there's a big racism problem within the LGBT community. And I think that he was down for it. And I think that the good thing about him was that he knows that he has privilege. And also, with him being incredibly over and incredibly popular amongst wrestling fans, there's a responsibility to put people over. And in our feud, in so many ways, he really put me over. And I'm really grateful for that. I would love to do a sequel to The Big Gay Street Fight. I think that there's a lot more we can do. But working with him and everything we did in the match was so much fun and it was a fun experience and it's going to be one of the most synonymous matches of my career. And I'm glad that people enjoyed that match and I'm glad that people enjoyed the feud. And I'm glad that we got to tell a story that is different and political but necessary. And I'm really happy for his success with the big gay brunch and everything. And I'm really happy that we got to work together and that we got the opportunity to tell that kind of story. But I can guarantee you if me and worked another place and got to tell a story that we would do it probably a
0: hundred times better and I could just speak about that match because I just saw that match. It was a great match. And then again, I don't know if I can say this. One of the things that I think we're going to talk about is that gay wrestlers sometimes don't get the proper attention. And I thought that match was on par with a Monday Night Raw street fight or any other street fight in like CZW or anything like that, where I felt that match was very much on par and was a representation that Being gay or being a lesbian or being part of the LBGT community has nothing to do with how good of a performer you are.
1: Thank you very much. And that's been the goal of this whole LGBT movement. It's just we're not asking for special treatment, we're just asking for regular treatment.
0: And that's all we want. We
1: just want the opportunity to do our thing. And that means give us the ring 10 to 12 minutes and we'll handle the rest. And I'm very happy that you said that. That makes me feel really great about that match.
0: And I think that segues right into what I want to talk about. And we touched upon it a little bit. And there's some controversy that is sort of going on with wrestling. And you cut a very interesting promo at Primetime Pro Wrestling. And I'm going to paraphrase it here. And it was about wrestlers who are in the LBGT community getting abused. Not getting paid, getting snubbed, not being treated appropriately. I'm missing some stuff in there, but it was a very hot promo. It was very much similar to David Starr shooting off on Ring of Honor and Sinclair in many ways. So what was that story that really prompted this and made you say it? Because I think it was so articulate and so true what you said.
1: Well, thank you for the kind words about the promo. I was just told when I walked into the building that I'd be cutting a promo for Butch vs. Gore and to speak from the heart. And that's what I did. And I am incredibly grateful that a lot of the work that I do for the LGBT community is behind the scenes in wrestling. Help LGBT wrestlers get to and from a show. If I had the weekend off, I've driven people to shows. I've helped people get booked. I've helped people get paid. I've given people little things here and there. And that doesn't make me like Mother Teresa. But there is this sisterhood that was formed at A Matter of Pride and that continues to this day, whether or not we work there. And one of the things that really bothered me was the common thread of there being elements of sexual abuse. Amongst LGBT wrestlers It really made me uncomfortable And it really upset me I myself am a survivor of being raped And sexual trauma At different points of my life And around the time that I was really hearing about this stuff Was around the I don't know if you're familiar with the Larry Nasser trial Which he was the doctor for The United States gymnastics team And he was a doctor that did massages and exams, and he sexually assaulted, I think, over a 100 young girls. I remember watching that on CNN, the coverage, and just being like, enough is enough, it's time for a change. And in 2018, I started going to therapy and figuring out what to do about my assault. And then later that year, hearing stories about that to this day, hearing stories about LGBT wrestlers being forced to those conditions. Then hearing about a lot of gay promoters paying gay wrestlers like shit, straight promoters paying gay wrestlers like shit. And the pay gap was another big problem. And then it was like the booking. And it's like, well, a gay man can only work a woman. No, a gay worker can work whomever. Because not only is that sexist to women, because you're basically saying that gay and women at the bottom of the tunnel post, homophobic. Wrestling is an art form. We all are professionals that can do it. You can put any two people together if they know what they're doing and they can deliver a good product. And then hearing stories about men who identify as straight but like to have homosexual sex or sex acts going out of their way to solicit sexual acts from LGBT performers, but at the same time actively trying to blackball, undermine, abuse, humiliate, and torture LGBT performers was enough. I had enough. And seeing some of those people be rewarded by this business, because one of the bad things about the business is that internally, it rewards bad behavior. A lot of bad people find their way to the top. And seeing someone who hurt friends of mine be on national television Hurt my feelings. Seeing someone who is a gay wrestler go out of their way to minimize their queerness and feel internally homophobic bullshit hurt my feelings. And I was just over trauma bonding instead of bonding about our love of wrestling and about funny memories don't get me wrong like we have great times together when you get a bunch of queens in a locker room it is a riot it's a great time and it's one of the things i miss the most about working at a matter of pride was the locker room great time family atmosphere we have a good time but i noticed that we would keep sharing the same kind of stories so when I cut that promo, I just let everything out. I wanted people to know that this show is not supposed to be some sad show. It's not like going to a wait, but it is the ultimate celebration of freedom because I am not putting handcuffs on any of the performers that I have been privileged to book. They're going to do what they have to do. They're artists. You do your art. I trust you. And that's what it's about here. Here are fair wages for you. Don't take $20 and say thank you. Don't take no payment and the quote-unquote exposure and take that. Don't take that you should be glad we're even booking a talent or LGBT talent and take that. No, 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 no. Here are fair wages for you. Here are accommodations for you. Here's a locker room where we are going to respect your pronouns. We're going to respect your identities. And we're going to respect you as artists. And you go out there and you do your art. And that was the promo. It was to let people know that this isn't a work. This isn't just a gimmick to sell tickets. Lolo is non-binary and they are one of the founders of the company. So that was part of the conversation It's this is for real and they, along with Gator stress that, and that is super cool.
0: And so given this promo, and I mentioned that it was very David star, like, what were you feeling before you said it? Cause you must've had an idea what you were going to say and. What were you feeling after? Because I was in the crowd, and I was a little bit taken back because I didn't expect it. I don't think a lot of people did. What was going through your head? That nobody else is going to cut this promo. I didn't know what I was going to say, to be honest with you. But I knew when I went
1: out there, there was a moment where I looked at the crowd, and I was just like, I love my LGBT brothers and sisters. And this is no shade. They carry such fear of being honest about their experience and only telling parts of the story, but not the truth. And I wanted to tell the truth. It's really fucking hard for us. We've been through a lot of bullshit. This is not okay. This needs to stop. And I'm willing to take that bullet or catch that heat or be blackballed or blacklisted if I see within the next five to 10 years, substantial change in the way that people are treated. That's okay for me. There's a lot of LGBT wrestlers that are claiming to be activists for the community. But there is no activism without sacrifice. So will I probably be invited to the performance center? No. Will I be invited to Russell on Wednesday nights? No. But will I be a catalyst? And be that bitch that won't shut the fuck up until changes are made in fairness? Yes, I will. And if that means that I'm on the Indies till I'm 65, well, then you motherfuckers better keep wanting to see me. But I knew that that was a necessary thing to say. And I wanted, in my own way, to liberate myself from my trauma from wrestling. And I got messages from people who watched the promo. I wanted my sisters and my brothers and my siblings in the queer community in wrestling to be like, someone finally said it. And said it all the way not cut a shoot promo and then stop because you want to protect your bag but cut a shoot promo and tell the truth without any regard for your future and your career so when i left i went to the bathroom i cried i was scared a little bit about like i really put my foot in it but after that i was like you know what i know who i am and gator found me as a promo and we had a very emotional moment together and hug lolo and we had an emotional moment and It was a lot, but I don't have any regrets. And that promo is not going to change the wrestling world. I have a lot more work to do. A lot of LGBT wrestlers have a lot more work to do. But the more we're just honest, I think the faster change will come for
0: sure. And I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit because I think we're getting to this because this is one step in a long journey. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it because change happens very slow. But what do you feel that some of the solutions are to addressing? I think we really touched upon the first few steps, honesty, shows like Butch vs. Gore, people just calling out what's wrong with this business in general, whether that's on Twitter or in person.
1: I think that there is things for workers to do. There are things for fans to do, and there are things for promoters to do and trainers of schools. I think if you're a trainer, you don't sexually harass or assault your students. And you don't tell people that the way to get over is fuck you or pretend to be your significant other. Because there's a lot of people that are on national television that had to date their trainer to get over. And that's weird and fucked up. We stop this survival sex work element that wrestlers go through. And more specifically, female or assigned female at birth wrestlers go through because it can be very predatory that way. And as a man, I have privilege, even though I went through my own sexual assault in wrestling, but I still know that this is happening at such a higher rate for them. And we need to stop that. If somebody has they, them pronouns, you need to refer to them as they, them. Even if you see in your brain something that is not non-binary, you see a cis woman or man, if this person thinks, hey, I like to be called this. My name's not really Billy, but people call me Billy. We can share that same respect. It's only one breath you have to take to say a word. I think inside the business, we need to create opportunities for people to succeed outside of the month of June, which is why I'm happy that Butch vs. Gore is in March. And we need to push people that are not a caricature or one idea of what it is to be gay and just put people on talent. But if we have somebody that's gay or bi or whatever, we don't make that the main qualifier. No, you put the wrestler for sure. But there are gay wrestling fans, queer wrestling fans, they would like to see themselves represented. You have to keep that in mind. I think for wrestling fans, and this is for real, have to stop having low standards for straight allies, quote unquote. And just because somebody has rainbow merch does not mean they give a shit about you. It does not mean they care about the advancement of your people. Look at that person's network of people they associate with. Look at the places that they work with. Are they actively trying to uplift and help other LGBT people? Are they educating themselves on history? No. Just because some guy has six-pack abs and you want to fuck him and he has a rainbow shirt does not mean that he gives a shit about you. I think that there needs to be more support to the black LGBT wrestlers. A lot of our white counterparts get loved. Effie gets love. Jamie gets love. I want to see AC Mack in the conversation. I want to see Ashton Starr in the conversation. I would like myself to be more part of the conversation. I think the black LGBT wrestlers, I think what happened is that people thought, oh, well, Sunny and Nyla are in AEW, so, like, whatever. But no, we still are talented. We still are good. I think wrestling fans need to, especially if you're LGBT, you need to actually, number one, learn about your gay wrestling history because it is rich and it is deep. But also, you really have to support those that really need to be supportive
0: and give a shit about you. I think that those are all fair points. I mean, I really do. I think that unfortunately my experience, and I come at this from a comic position and I give a gay history lesson and then I'm a straight white male just to put a label on me for a second. But I've spent a lot of time learning about gay comics and, and doing my homework. And when I prepped up to do that panel the first time, I was fortunate enough that I got to interview a few people on this podcast. Who were part of that community and then i did about 40 hours of research to make sure that my information was 100 accurate and and i don't want to be mean or ostracize my fans here but I, i tend to agree that people don't do their homework people don't do their research and i don't think that it's necessarily their fault but they should be you should know ac max history for instance to use his name i should know your history if i'm a fan of yours i should know your matches But having said all that, and this is a hot issue, and it's a very passionate one, I do want to talk about something a lot more cheerful. And this this is how we're going to end the show in the next segment here is let's talk about primetime wrestling is doing something awesome where they're having butch first score and you are one half of the creative team and that i believe was announced in the november show of 2019 how did that come about and this is dc's first lgbt pride wrestling show and it's quite exciting it's in march and not in june And so how did all this come about, and what was that like?
1: It was a really cool opportunity. Lo and Gator had approached me and asked me if I would like to do this. Immediately, I said yes, and I was so honored. I've written shows for promotions before. I've done a lot of behind-the-scenes work, but I never got the credit I deserve. And to be given credit for contributing creatively and administratively, so
0: grateful. And some of that I just want to also give is you're creative. You're going to be on the show. You're a booker. You're a matchmaker. You also are signing talents. You're also in many ways the face of this entire project with Lolo. Very much so. And they is going to be mm-hmm. the ring announcer. So, What was that like, really even doing that?
1: It was new, but I have another show that I'm running completely on my own. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the table. I'm providing context. So it was like good practice for that. And talking to talent, hearing their questions, comments, and concerns, making them happy, which is incredibly challenging sometimes. Putting people in positions to succeed was incredibly challenging, but also so much fun. And the matches that we have announced, Angelus Lane versus McMurphy, I think is going to be really interesting. And I think that it's going to be like the kind of match where people are not going to know what to expect, and I know that those two are talented and will do it. The main event for the 51st state title, Effie versus Faye Jackson, I'm telling everybody to bring a change of underwear, because I'm sure we will all wet ourselves watching that. And that's going to be really fun, and I can't wait to see what those two have. It's going to be insane. We have some more matches planned. The one thing about the show is that part of my agreement was that Lolo, they are going to pick my match, my opponent, whatever stipulation. I have no say in that. In the interest of fairness, I didn't want to put myself in any kind of bias situation. But as far as booking other talent, coming up with the match order, what kind of matches we're going to do, it was challenging, but it was so much fun. Because I've done this before, but to do it officially and to have the power was really nice, and I'm so grateful
0: for that. And I do want to ask a question about booking talent. I know it's 2020, but what was that like reaching out and what was the response to people like Aaron Rourke, who just had an amazing run against Gary J and the Discovery Gauntlet and beyond? And then there's a few others like Ashton Starr and MV Young. What was their response being invited in and really being put in? And I think this is also gonna be primetime's first live streaming event. So that also adds a lot of credibility in my opinion, but what was their response for the people that you helped to book and give them an opportunity? Because I would imagine that those opportunities are far and few between.
1: Well, unfortunately, Aaron Work will not be there because he'd rather work a limitless show. So his prerogative, but the other talent that is still scheduled that will be there, they were all like, what? Wait, are you for real? Come on, DC, so cool. And some people were like, I can't believe this. But everybody was excited and willing to do good. And I reached out to, of course, when you get an opportunity like this to run a show, you want to hook your friends up. And I do have a lot of friends, but you want to give your friends an opportunity. But there were people I haven't met yet that I've been watching. And I remember I watched Devon Monroe versus Russell Rogue match from the Midwest. And this was, I think, a year and a half ago. And I really enjoyed it. And they were both very, very green. Very, very, very green. But there was something to the match that was like, when they get to where they're going, this is going to be amazing. And I think that they both are really talented in different ways. And I think that it was cool to show two people that haven't really been a part of the conversation and also two talents of color. And it was cool to have them. You have Erica Lee who is amazing, who I consider my daughter in wrestling, who I love very much. Jared Evans, we've already talked about him to death. One of my closest friends. He's a key and a cackle. You have Effie, Faye, Ashton Starr, who's criminally underrated. And then there's still life, and they are incredibly talented and very interesting. I remember the first time I watched them wrestle, and I was just like, I don't get it, but I know
0: I'm going to, but I like what I see. And I think Still Life is so dope. If you have not seen Still Life, go and watch Chikara and go watch the Lions Cup because that was amazing. And Still Life's matches with Blank are great. So those matches are fantastic. And I think one of the taglines for this entire thing is there's a bunch of people on the card that people don't know. And I know about half the card according to the poster. And I think what's going to happen is that the audience is going to have 15 to 20 new favorite wrestlers by the end of the show. Yep. And so it's going to be a really cool show, and I'm excited. And for those who don't know, full disclosure, is I am sponsoring that FE match, partially because it's going to be an amazing show. And I think that's going to really define primetime. I think it's going to be a big difference maker. I really do. And I think that in five years from now, This is going to be looked back as a turning point for prime time as well as for you.
1: Yeah, and I agree, and and thank you so much for your contribution, but I think that we're at a point now where I think people that are gatekeepers and showrunners are running out of excuses. There's a lot of great, great talent, and there's more each and every year that are added, and there are people that I really would have loved to book, but I couldn't book everybody. Sophie King is amazing. Joshua Wells is so good. Caden Pierre, Eddie McQueen. There's an incredible variety of LGBT wrestlers, but I think that the goal for for this show, is to hopefully inspire another promoter to not do a pride show. The goal is not for there to be a 100 pride shows. The goal is for there to be consistent work for queer people. Now, that doesn't mean, and he knows that there's no shade in this, that doesn't mean that Effie gets a bunch of bookings from this. He already is booked till 2095, but that means that Devin Moreau gets some more bookings, Jared Evans, Erica Lee. These people get more opportunities. So the show is about all of us. But I really want to drive home that there are so many people that you've never heard of that also really would like new opportunities and they get a piece of the pie, too. And that's what we want. We want our piece of the pie. So we'll start by making our own,
0: but we want and we deserve and we are showing you that there's no excuse why you can't. And also with primetime, I think this is important to reiterate is Just because Butch vs. Gore is a pride-themed show and really giving opportunity to the LBGT community, this doesn't mean that other primetime shows don't keep that in mind as well, and so on and so forth. And I think that's really important, is that this isn't just a show. This is an ideology for primetime. It's a good one, and change is important, and that this is a good thing for wrestling. Hell
1: yeah. Any given primetime show... At least 50% of the roster is queer, and at least 50% of the roster is women, and a big sizable part of their roster is people of color. I mean, the world champion, O'Shea Edwards, and the tag team champion, Eel O'Neill and Jordan Blade, the kings of the district, are both black, and Jordan is proud bisexual. So that representation will always be there at prime time, because that is part of the fabric. And you can't say, well, I'm going to randomly put people. Representation has to be intentional. So you have to intentionally look at the scene and see who you want in and that's the goal the goal is just people are talented let's give people the
0: opportunity and i think that's a perfect place to stop but i do have three more questions and it's involving foot for score. i know that tickets might as we're speaking be completely sold out or there might be like five left so where can fans buy tickets if they want to buy them where can fans get on a waiting list, where can fans view it, where can fans become a part of it, and anything to become involved with this show on March 7th. I think we have less than 15
1: tickets left, which is so awesome. Thank you so much to the Grappota region that is coming out to see us on March 7th at the DC Brow Brewery. If you cannot make it, because there is no waiting room, because part of the ticket and part of the seating will be towards kids and LGBT organizations, youth groups, homeless shelters. We wanted to get have an experience that they won't forget but if you have internet connection you can watch us when we stream live darling live on iwtv and that'll be really cool to stream live and then there's other primetime shows that will be in the area that will feature many of the people you see ronnie nicole mb young mark adam Haggerty, danny jordan faye ac max still Alive, effie so there's a lot of cool people that will be here. So you can watch the stream live and get the replay or hustle to get those last little bit of tickets. But we thank everybody for supporting this show and the strong message that we want to put
0: behind it. And then beyond primetime, I'd also like to give you an opportunity to promote yourself. You have a Twitter, a website, shirts, places you'll be wrestling, or is Paris burning yet?
1: So, if you want to follow me on social media, I have Twitter and Instagram at TheBillyDixon. I'm working on my Pro Wrestling T-Store. It will probably be ready by, let's say, March 1st. I'm working on some designs, some cool stuff. I published the page. Paris is Bumping takes place Thursday, June 18th at Denison's Brewery Company in Silver Spring, Maryland, which is pretty much D.C. And it is a no-ring death match and a ball, which is, if you've ever watched Paris is Burning, which the title is inspired by, or Pose, it's where people vote and dress up and dance, and it's like a competition. And that is my magnum opus, my big contribution to the wrestling world, Thursday, June 18th. Paris is Bumping does have social media. You can follow Paris is Bumping at Paris is Bumping on Twitter and Instagram. And I will be wrestling at a bunch of different places. So you can check me out at all the places on my social
0: media. And the library is officially closed now. But if you like my podcast, you can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and anywhere else where you listen to your podcasts. And while you wait for next week's episode, you can find us on popanimecomics.com for articles relating to anime, comics, and wrestling as well as give me a follow on twitter at pop anime comics on facebook at pop anime comics on instagram at pop anime comics and you can purchase my shirt at prowrestlingtees.com just type in pop anime comics on it is an elf holding a steel chair and she does not want to have to come to your home and hit you with it so please save yourself the trouble of injury and buy it and until next time everybody have a wonderful week